All right, good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. And um, for those who are, who are here, who are in town, I know we have a number of people uh, out of town, some different college ministries and things like that. And yet, um, this is a significant morning for us as a, as a church. Um, we uh, have a unique opportunity this morning. Um, while the other redemption congregations are all getting started in Ephesians this morning, uh, we're going to wait and do that next week. And uh, we'll be in the book of Ephesians for about eight months or so. So I'll explain some more about that. And we'll kind of, we'll, 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 Table in that, if you will. We'll kind of, we will address it a bit during our time together this morning. But um, I think I forgot to even introduce myself. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, it's great to have you all here um, this morning. As I just uh, kind of did as an example there for you, I have a speech impediment. So if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to make sure you know what that is. It'll kind of come in and out as, uh, as we go. And um, as I said, this morning's a bit unique and, and really exciting, I, I think. We get to have a state of the church address um, where we get to share a bit about uh, where we've been and, and really where we are and who we are and what God is doing among us and what that means for us going into the future. So to help me walk through that, I'm actually going to invite up um, Alex Tovar, who's an, an, another elder. So let's go ahead and uh, thank Alex here this morning. Um, as he comes up and, uh, and does this with me. So as Alex is um, getting up here, uh, let me just say something again if for some of us that came in late maybe or if you missed what Tang shared is um, kind of connected to what we're going to share some about right now. And um, again, just a heads up on where we're going. We're going to give this, it'll be about 15 or so minutes, and then um, we'll, we'll get into the sermon, which will be connected to what we're going to talk about right now. So that's how we're doing this. And um, Tang shared earlier that we're going to do a, a church-wide survey that we're, we're doing, and we got started. In fact, some of you who check your email, don't do it right now, okay? We'll, um, but uh, we sent out an email, uh, like just now, actually, really recently, to every Everyone, if you're on the email list, you would have gotten this. If you're not on the email list or you, you kind of zone out when we say fill out a connect card, if you want to say connected, um, then that's then be sure to do that, okay, today. Get your email on there because this is a really helpful tool for us to, again, find out who we are or who you are, okay, who makes up Redemption Tucson. Some of you could kind of look around and be like, oh yeah, it's just a college church or a bunch of young people or whatever, but we know that's not the case and God's been growing us in these different ways. So anyway, we want to get a survey to find out really, not just kind of through perspective, but who are we, how are we doing, and then how is the church doing in equipping us to be uh, healthy, growing followers of Jesus. Okay, so be sure to fill that out. If you have any questions, you can reply to the email that uh, you would have gotten it from. We'd love to follow up with you on that. So be sure to do that. Let me say one more thing on that. Um, Alex is being a trooper here, just standing there looking good. Um, it's, um, this, this survey is completely anonymous. And when I say that, it means there's no way for us to know who filled it out. Okay, we've tried it tested it. There's so it's, it's anonymous and it asks some really helpful questions. Answer as you feel comfortable, but it's again, the heart is to help us know how to come alongside our church and how to continue to lead our church into faithfulness. And so just know, answer as freely and honestly as you can, and there's no way to know who said what in it. Okay, so that, that I just want to make sure we all know that. Um, so Alex, why don't um, you go ahead and, and share some with us about um, what it means, kind of what God's been doing among us in really where we are and where we're, we're heading in, in some of these ways as a, as a church. 
Yeah, of course. Um, Dave and I were joking before uh, service like we've never had the chance to share a stage together, so we're not sure if that's going to be a good thing or, or a bad thing, but I guess, I guess we'll find out. Um, one together. of the things, as I even think about kind of the state of our church, is I think really kind of when my son was born, my son will be four in April, and even thinking back to um, when my wife was pregnant and how Redemption Church really came alongside of us, alongside us as we had our first kid, I'm kind of looking back from how God has been so faithful from that moment to sitting up here, you know, having a couple elders, having people on staff, to just having the balcony full is just, I think, first off, just a, a testament to how um, faithful and how gracious and how generous God has been to us as a church. Mm -hmm. And so even just to start um, off with, with saying that, and we're just really thankful even as leadership of this church to... To, to serve you and to, to lead you and also just to look back first at like how God has been the one that's been faithful. Um, the first thing that we talk about kind of as we look back to um, who we are and who we start out as a church is we were a church plant, um, but what's really exciting is that we have officially kind of exited that, that young stage of being a church plant. Um, and so one thing um, that's really exciting about that is as we've exited that and become more of just a, a self-sustaining church is that we are able to continue to partner with local congregations that are maybe in the church plant stage, other um, outward-focused ministries like Corazon Ministries, like Hands for Hope, like Free Ever After. Um, we're able to give more generously to, um, to causes like that and also to help other churches locally um, maybe even in Arizona and globally that are in the same phase that we were. Um, and kind of as we even think about, and you can go ahead to that next slide, Stephen, as we think about what makes us a self-sustaining church, we at Redemption talk about these three different um, selves, self-led, and so led by a local pastor and by local elders, um, which, you know, I've been an elder now for about a year, and hopefully in the next couple months we'll have another elder joining, hopefully. Um, so that's one thing. We are now self-led. We still obviously are connected to redemption as a whole, but we are a locally led church with local pastors and local elders. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, the next self is self-propagating. So do we have the structures? Do we have um, the ministries? And do we have the leaders in place in order to be, basically that means to be able to be able to create disciples within our own church? And so if you look even, and I want to even thank Stephen Collins for a lot of his hard work um, through surge, through mentorship tables, through tapestry tables, through something called training tables. We have a lot of structures and things set up into place where we can produce our own disciples of Jesus. And so that's just really exciting to not only be self-led, but we also have um, a church that is creating through the grace of God, um, disciples of Jesus. Mm. And then last one, which I'll talk a lot about more, um, is self-funded. Um, as a church plant, we relied a lot on um, outside giving, especially from a redemption church as a whole. And we are, I mean, and I think this deserves um, some applause, we are now officially completely self-funded. And so through your generous giving and just through God's faithfulness, we... Um, we're self-funded now, and so that's super exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so as we exit um, the church plant and we are a self-sustaining congregation, we talk about self-funded. I'd love to even first just celebrate and, and thank everybody for their faithful giving. Um, one thing that we can look back is our Advent offering. Um, we were able to get, you can go to that slide, Stephen, we were able to give um, over $5,000 this year um, to our Outward Focus Ministries, and so about a little under $2,000 were evenly distributed to our close, near, and far Outward Focus Ministries, which, I mean, that is a significant amount. And if you look at redemption as a whole, we were able to give over $441,000 um, as our Advent offering. So that's super exciting, and that just speaks to kind of the health financially of our church locally and also redemption as a whole. Um, one thing, too, I really want to encourage and thank everybody that has been faithfully giving uh, to redemption. Um, it's not everybody, but, at fir but first I just want to say and thank you for your giving. Um, without your giving, Dave wouldn't be up here. We wouldn't be able to do a lot of these things that I'm going to talk to you about that we're able to do. Um, and so first off, I want to, from, from, from the deep parts of my heart, thank you so much for giving generously, for giving faithfully. And I would love to encourage you to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side of things, um, and you know what? This is actually normal for a church, but it's not something that I would love, and Dave and I would not love to be normal about our church, but you can go to that slide. Only 50% of our congregation actually gives consistently. Um, and so that means the other 50% are not, either not giving at all or not giving on a consistent basis. And so... My charge to, to you guys as, as an elder is to, as we talk about responding every single week, and I know sometimes I thought it got kind of monotonous when I was first coming to redemption, like, man, we do response every single week. Like, why don't we switch it up a little bit? But I think it's because, like, we're all prone to wander, and we're all prone to forget how God has graciously given us his son, and one of those ways to respond is to give. We talk about it every week. There's, I mean, I could recite it. There's two <laughs> giving boxes in each end. You can give online. You can give by text. I mean, there's so many ways to give. And so my charge um, to everyone that isn't giving, would you respond to the gospel and think in 2018 how you can give generously to what God is doing here at Redemption? Um, like I said, these are normal numbers throughout a church but I don't think they're numbers that should reflect a gospel-centered church. I would love for, um, for that number to, to um, decrease significantly and for you know, almost all of our church that consistently is coming and consistently calls redemption their home to be giving, whether it's $1 because you make $10 a week and you're a student or you're you know, retired with millions of dollars. Um, we would love for, for you to give consistently um, to, to our church and what we're doing. Partly, I mean, if you, I'm going to just list some of these things. Um, we were able as a church to do amazing things because of your generosity. Um, and I'm just going to go through these. We were able to bring on Jenny Bell as a part-time um, staff to help lead our children's ministry. We were able to just recently, just this last week, bring on, I mean, you, everybody knows Andrew Tang. I mean, the guy does everything, and we are finally able to pay him a little bit. And <laughs> a so, little 
we're able to bring on Tang as a part-time um, staff person, and he's really going to be focusing on on finances and helping run our budget and kind of see um, how we can utilize what God has given us financially. And so we're really excited about that. Um, if you haven't gone and see our new office space, um, it's been really, it was really challenging for the last couple of years for Dave, for Steven, and for the staff, um, especially if they had, you know, a couple or somebody that wanted to talk more privately about things going on in their life or to do counseling. You know, to, when Dave asked you to do that at a Starbucks. <laughs> and so we were able to this year get our, our church office just down the, the road where, I mean, it's just an awesome office. There's tons of meeting space. They have coffee. Um, they have a, a door that they can close if they want to sit and talk <laughs> about things that you don't want everybody to hear. And so we're able to now have a full-time office space for the staff, um, mm -hmm. which is awesome. And then also we're able to give significantly above and beyond what we gave um, in our advent, we were able as a church to, I, I, don't, I don't know the specific number, but give significant amounts of money to the rest of our outward focus ministries like Corazon Ministries. We were able to give thousands of dollars to Safford School. We were able to give thousands of dollars to um, Guatemala Champions in Action. And so just your generosity, all those things, like just thank you so much for giving. And I just would love to just continue to see um, us be able to partner with more local ministries, local congregations throughout the next year um, as we continue to be faithful with what God has given us. Um, yeah, that's kind yeah. of, that's long-winded and sorry I'm getting over being sick. <laughs> but um, I'm just really excited about where God um, is taking us mm -hmm. and just really thankful for, for everybody for their, for their generosity throughout the, next, throughout the last year. And then also next, we, we didn't have it this week, but if you're interested, we're going to have a, 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 a bu budget that will be available publicly. And so we'll have that at the Connect Desk starting next week if you're interested in seeing kind of more specifics as to how we spend our money. Yeah. That's huge. And just, you know, I, I joked even last week and, and, you know, about like this state of the, you know, church address, you know, you like stand applause, sit, stand applause, you know, that, you know, type of deal. But, but these things, as he shares, like we can't miss the significance of that. And, and something that I want to share as well that's incredibly sig significant for us is a church plant that's now transitioning to a local congregation. That's one of those things that we've joked about before. Like, what, you know, like, how do you know when a uh, kid is an adult, right? Like is an 18-year-old just dropped off at college that still has mom and dad's credit card or whatever, or, you know, when do you kind of, when does that happen? Or, you know, some people in here were like 16 and you're like, I'm an adult. I pay everything on my own, you know, whatever. And, and so this is one of those things, but as Alex broke down, you know, these, these you know, three selves, self-led, self-propagating, self funded is this is a significant moment for us of really in a sense kind of mom and dad did take away their credit card if you will and there's a sense of responsibility and excitement in that and one expression of that that I want to really um point out is is Alex mentioned Stephen Collins earlier and Stephen and his wife Kelsey as well as Annie Prentice who I don't know I'm sure is here somewhere I haven't seen her this morning but um right there Emily called her out her roommate 
and he loves attention. Um, but um, Stephen and Kelsey as well, um, way back, like five years ago almost, um, raised their own financial support and moved out here to help plant a hypothetical church um, <laughs> that had not even begun yet. And, 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 and Annie um, is still here serving consistently and now has a, an, another full-time job that she does and just serves here like all of us in different ways. And, and Stephen... Um, were able to, as of this year, just um, re- recently for the first time in their, in their marriage and even before that, is no longer um, kind of doing, you know, fl- flipping hamburgers and doing other side jobs. To, he's now able to move into a full-time role here at Redemption Tucson. So I just, let's, let's clap and praise God for that. So um, there they are. Beautiful couple. Um, and so, yeah, just a very exciting season for them as well as for our church. Just really now we can, um, again, Alex mentioned a lot of things that Stephen does that probably some of us don't even know he can really press into full time. And we can keep on really pouring into him and helping kind of grow and develop him in different roles in ministry. So this is a significant thing for us as a, as a church. And, and now as Alex is going to... Um, briefly share some more things that are significant for us that I'll just say, I don't want to steal any thunder, he'll share more, but that um, we really intentionally keep a low overhead, and even that, like bringing Stephen on full-time, I just got brought on full-time um, lo- last year, and, and we don't anticipate, like we want to really keep running a lean operation here, if you will, and, um, and, and there's a lot of exciting r- reasons for that. So as we're growing, we're self-led, we're self-funded, um, a lot of that we're, 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 we're t- taking intentionally now to keep propelling us to live on a m- mission. So Alex, why don't you share a little more about that? As yeah, I think one of the, the most tangible expressions of that is the fact that we still meet out of Safford School. Um, we in no way are looking to purchase a building. Um, actually, completely the opposite. We are super committed and excited to continue to meet out of Safford. Um, f- for one reason, like Dave said, because it helps us keep our budget lean. But even more importantly, we are so excited about the partnership that we have at Safford. And we'd love to continue in, in this next year to, to press into continuing to develop and foster that relationship. Um, I know I'd even love to thank David Wagner. He's probably spent, I don't know, tens, dozens of hours on the phone with TUSD, coming to Safford, sending emails, just his diligence in in helping us um, know how we can even effectively partner with Safford has just been awesome. And so even just to thank David for him doing that. But another just way that we want to press into that, and even an alarming thing, is we basically have zero attendees um, from the families that send their kids to Safford that come to our church. And even as we talk about things like tapestry table and diversity and being a reflection of, of where God has us in downtown Tucson, that's pretty alarming that none of the families or students actually come to our church. And so one way that we're going to even press into that more um, this year is we do have an intern. Um, Her name is Quinn. There's a picture of her up there. She's actually going to be our outward focus intern. And she's... Let's keep it going. Sorry. No, just kidding. 
And so she's actually going to be on campus um, each week and really going to be pressing into and trying to reach uh, or even to come up with different ways that we can reach the needs of the students, the families, the teachers, the staff here at, um, at, here at Safford School. And so we're super excited about Quinn and also super exciting, excited about seeing how God will continue us continue to call us to be involved and to be a light for the, 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 the students and, and the school here at Safford. Um, even specifically, I know there's redemption communities that are adopting Safford as kind of their um, outward-focused ministry, so they will together serve at Safford. And so just another charge um, that's not financial, but find where you can get involved at Redemption Church, whether that's serving on Sunday um, doing hospitality or with kids, but also look at one of the outward focus ministries that, that we kind of focus on and, and see how, how God can use you um, to meet the needs of those ministries. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, um, we are keeping a lean budget. We have no plans of leaving Safford. We just want to grow our roots even deeper here and see how God will use us to, to bless this school and to bless the students here. Um, and we're super excited about that and just super excited about, um, yeah, moving forward at Safford in, in 2018. Yeah, that's huge. So, um, again, just kind of f final charge on this, and Alex is going to pray um, for us. Is just, we're, this isn't like, hey, FYI, this is where we are as a church and you all are consumers or you just kind of hear an update from us. This is more of, again, conversation of um, kind of use the imagery of kind of like circle up the wagons and kind of share, you know, kind of chart out the course and evaluate and thank God for what he's been doing. And then again, this is an invitation and a charge into, um, you know, we'll even talk about here in a mo moment that the role of the elders and in in, in those of us in kind of full-time ministries to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so this is an opportunity to not just be updated, but encouraged and invited all the more into what God is doing in so many different ways as we exist to uh, uh, see Jesus glorified in Tucson, um, blessed and called to, to, to know and love and respond to him in faith. Um, amen? amen? All right, so Alex, why don't you go ahead and Yeah, let's pray go ahead us. and bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much as I look back even to my family specifically, how you've been so faithful, so generous, and loved us so well through Redemption Church. Um, it's just amazing how you are changing lives through the work that you're doing here. I just pray as we um, look back and as also as we look forward to what you're doing in 2018, that we will all respond to your gospel appropriately, that we will respond not out of anything that we've done or by mustering up any of our own strength or any of our own courage, but just respond completely out of how you've loved us first. We thank you so much for our partnership with Safford. We pray that you will continue to grow those, deep, those roots deeply. May you rise up leaders at, at the school here that, that can be connection points for us. We pray for Quinn as she enters into her role as an intern. May you just give her favor at the school um, and just give her ways that uh, she can come back and encourage us as a congregation to, to get involved. We thank you for how you've blessed us financially and how um, the, the faithful giving of our congregation um, is just edifying your church and raising up disciples here at Redemption Tucson. We thank you, Lord, for, for just how you've loved us and how you are with us 
um, in the past, in the present, and how you'll be with us in the future. And we just um, pray that you will be faithful and that we will cling to you and your word and your truth um, in 2018. We lift this all up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. And now, um, if you wouldn't please, if you wouldn't mind, please standing um, for the reading of God's word. As a reminder, we stand each week out of reverence for reverence and awe for God and for His word. Today's reading is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Seven chosen to serve. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned to the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Dee. Um, and that was a chance, too. If you need, you can even be a bit slower sitting down, kind of stretch out your, your legs, you know. Get some oil on the joints. Um, I know we know these are not the most comfortable seats in the world. They're over 100 years old. And, um, and yet again, even that is a reminder, not intentional, not to overdo it, but just where we are. We know where we are in the, in the school here. And um, uh, excited now to get into our time this morning as we just read, um, really looking at the church. And so what we're going to do in this, in this time briefly this morning is look at Look at the church. We're going to talk about church. Again, as we consider where we are, where we've been, what God has been doing among us, and, and then even where we are headed, it's really looking at who we are. And so the, the, the big idea, if you did, kind of what we've been talking about and will continue to really, really press in is that this, is that we are the church. We are called to be God's reconciled people living on mission together. And so as we even just now read in this, um, in, this, in, this, uh, in, this in this text there in, in, in Acts chapter 6, we see that there's some stuff going on, right? There's some, some, some discrepancies, there's some kind of, some, some, some issues. And, and, and what, um, if you guys forgot, because it was a couple mo- months ago, was Acts, the big idea was the works of God on display in and through his people. And and it was just kind of time and time again seeing God revealing himself and his character and calling a people to himself. And and yet we just jump ahead with me there for a second before we get back into verses one through three there to verse seven, where we see kind of how this thing ends. It says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So again, the number of disciples multiplied. Everything we just now talked about in that state of the church address, and we, we shared these things, and we invited or called all of us into this stuff, is this idea of being disciples. And that, this whole book throughout of, of, of um, Acts, which is connected to a Ephesians, where we'll be going, starting out in next week, and then being for months and months there, is this idea of disciples. It's not a bunch of people that would check a box on a, on a survey and just say, yeah, I'm a Christian, or people that have a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or a bracelet or 
whatever it might be. They would indicate something. This is, that word means followers. And it, it, mean, it means people who have, who, have, who have been so transformed by the good news of Jesus that have, have, have had our, our eyes, some of the imagery used there in scriptures, had our eyes opened uh, to who he is and then responding in faith and trust and then following him. And so this, 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 this tells us that the number of people following Jesus continue to grow. And that's good news. That's exciting. There's, and that's a theme throughout Acts. Again, we're not going to walk through all of it, but it consistently happens of this, this stuff where basically God is adding to their number. God is continuing to draw more and more people to be followers of his, to put their faith in him, to be transformed, as we here often say, um, and it flows right out of this, to, who, to live all of life all for Jesus. And this happens, and it's good news in these People grow, and, 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 it's, and this is happening. There's good stuff, right? Ha- rejoice, and, and all the things that we clap about, and it's nice and fun and warm and fuzzy and encouraging. And yet, what, what we just read in verses 1 through 3 doesn't seem to just, just connect directly with that, right? It, it's, there's, there's some problem. There's some difficulty that's arisen. And in our tendency today, again, hear me now, as we even talk about who are we as a church, where are we going, what does it mean to be the church, what does it mean to be Redemption Tucson, faithfully following Jesus, and, 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 and then m- moving forward from here as his people, we, our tendency is to just skip right to verse seven and think, oh yeah, and cool, good things are happening, we can applaud, numbers are growing, and then when difficulties or problems arise, we just kind of turn a blind eye or ignore them, and, and, and yet, hear me on this, the, the scriptures reveal, even right here, that, that the problems are directly connected to the advancement of God's mission, to the things that we would uh, uh, that, that, that we would clap about and that we would applause for are directly connected. So, with that in mind, read uh, pick up back with me again in verse one. In these days, when the disciples, again the followers, right, not just not just people that say, "Oh yeah, yeah I'm a Christian," but people that are genuinely following Jesus. In, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a good thing, right? We all applause, we all stand, which you guys didn't even stand. No, I'm just kidding, I told you not to. But you know, these things you, you, you would applaud for, but then right next, just separated by a comma, a complaint arose by the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. We read that, and we don't use words like Hellenists and Hebrews, and we don't kind of connect these dots as well in our day, but this is some problems. First of all, there's grumbling in the church. There's disjointedness. There's, it's not all pretty and easy. And in fact, problems arose as God's mission continues to unfold and as good things happen, as people are following Jesus and are putting their trust in him, problems arise, and to be very clear what's going on here, when it says um, Hellenists, that means Greek-speaking Jews, people who would speak Greek. So there is, there is nationalistic identity and linguistic and, and even r- racial discrepancies going on here. Because people who are from Hebrew background and would speak Hebrew are getting treated with greater priority than people from a Greek background or from Greek-speaking. And this is in the church. This is, this is social issue right here. 
Okay, this is, this is, this is racism. This is financial prejudice, and this is financial preference over other people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, and this is stuff that many of us are prone to be like, yeah, that doesn't really, that doesn't really belong in the church. That belongs on Fox News or CNN or whatever, somewhere in between. You know, we don't, we don't talk about that stuff. And some people even, again, as we pause here, I was just at a group of pastors talking this week, and I got to share some things about what God's been doing in our church. And one of the, one of the, um, stereotypes, if you will, and I get asked this question, oh yeah, I hear some of the things that you guys do at Safford or in the community. Are you like a social gospel church? And then other people would say, oh, you know, social gospel, whatever. I'm all about salvation gospel, you know, justification by faith alone, uh, through faith alone, by God's grace alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And I'm more about that. That's the gospel. I focus on that. And hear me as clearly as we can. I know I'm short, so I'll even step up a, a, a notch here. There's one gospel and it belongs to Jesus. And it, it speaks into and informs every domain of life, which includes all of social life, which includes employer-employee relationships, which inclu- includes consumer and retailer interactions, which includes marriage and family, which includes uh, socioeconomic issues, which inc- includes racial tensions and realities in our world, around us, and let's be real, inside these walls as well. There's one gospel And that's what even here in Acts we've seen, and if you guys remember, we walked through this for a whole year. It came up time and time again, and and, and just kind of newsflash, it's going to come up again in Ephesians. Not because we're inserting our own social agenda or anything like that, because as we seek to be faithful to God's word that he has given us, and as we see the, 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 the good news of Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection, We can't just leave that there and say there's a salvation gospel and we just want to focus on that because Jesus himself and his word that he has given us takes us from there and leads us into the implications or the realities that flow from who he is and what he's done and, hear me, what he's doing right now. So that's what's going on here in Acts. These problems arise. But the problems aren't the problems, The problem is an identity crisis among God's people. Okay, so hear me again on that because that might be confused. The problems aren't the problems. Okay, the issues that arise, again, these came out of good things happening. And so in our tendency, though, to say, ah, problems, I like to stay away from that. Disagreements, I don't know, you know, to each his own, just be open-minded, just do these things. You don't see God's people doing that. You don't see God's word calling us to do that. You don't see, say, oh, avoid the problems. When the problems come is when we have identity crises and identity issues and we get confused in who we are and what we're doing. So again, that's even what's happening here. The, The church The problem is the church not knowing who or what the church is when we face these kinds of problems. Okay, so again, a a church, what is church? Even this morning, as I talked to my own kids, we talked about going to church and what are we doing at church. And, and, And we don't get 
crazy here. We don't like have a, one, one guy I know, a, um, a friend of mine, a, a pastor, they have like a cussing jar type deal, which if you refer to church as a place or as an event, then you have to put some money in this jar because it's, you know, and we don't go that far, but we do need to pause in moments like this and recognize who, what is the church? What's this idea? As we're in this place, right, as we're going from church plant to kind of putting on our big kid pants now and moving into healthy local congregation, local church, what is church? Okay, as we talked about earlier, it's, 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 it's this idea, it's this picture of being God's people, God's reconciled people, and, and, and I'll kind of walk through this because every word in this definition is loaded and is important. God's reconciled people living on mission together in all of life or throughout the world. Okay, God's reconciled people. The good news of Jesus is very clear that we are reconciled through the person and work of Jesus. As I just talked about, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus reconciled to God. Okay, God created us to know him, to have our identity and our purpose, who we are and what we do, okay, who we are and how we live, all of that to be flowing out of our relationship with him. But when sin entered into the world through nature and through choice, all of us participate in sin, which in a nutshell means not God. Means no thanks God, we got it from here, I got it from here. Means we live no longer flowing out of dependence on God, but out of dependence on self. We actually talked about this a ton last week. And so, so God, through his work, through his perfect work, provided Emmanuel, right? Christmas, we celebrated God with us, God incarnate, God in the flesh, the life, death, and victorious resurrection of Jesus, reconciling us to God. But it doesn't stop there. It's not less than that, but it's so much more. It's God saying, yes, as I reconcile you to myself, God says, I'm now also reconciling you to yourself, Right, we talked about this before, like even last week, that, that, that we're told we all stray, we all wander, that we don't know ourselves as God created us to know ourselves. Okay, again, very plainly, you can't know yourself without knowing who you are in relationship to your creator and who he says you are. So as God reconciles us to himself, he reconciles us to ourselves, to knowing who we are in relation to him and reconciling us to one another and to the world that we live in. Re, 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 restoring who we are in relationship to each other. Okay, one of the greatest effects of sin entering into the world, like right in Genesis 3 you see it. Husband and wife, man and woman hiding from one another. D division, right? They put on fig leaves. They're now ashamed. They're, and, now, and then God says, where are you? There's separation from God. There's separation from each other. There's now shame, self-shame. There's there, all this, this reality of brokenness. And so Jesus' work of coming and, and calling and forming together that really important phrase of a reconciled people not just reconciled persons, right? Like we've all got these little individual l lights, like if you could kind of picture like, oh, like, like little strings, okay, we're all individually reconciled to God here and we just come here, kind of happen to be together. But it goes together again, ecclesia is a people together that we are reconciled to God individually and to ourselves and communally as a people. 
And not just to sit here and be here together, but to be, but to be sent on mission together in all of life. So even, and some of you might not even notice this, or perhaps you do, so we say, but every week, again, when we have the passing of the peace, it's to remember the communal, restorative work that we were created in God's image individually and communally together. And then as we're, we take communion the way we do, it's because we come forward individually and together as a community. We come before Jesus as his people, his reconciled people. And then remember, we're sent out every week in the, Benediction, the sending out of God's people in response to the good news of Jesus to live all of life, all for Jesus, individually and communally on mission together in the world that he is sending us into. So there's this incredibly important part. So the issue, when we know we're a reconciled people, we're gonna be less afraid of the things that need to be reconciled. Okay, does that, like, if, if we don't understand who we are as a reconciled people, then we're gonna shy away from the hard issues that need to be reconciled. We're gonna say, just straight up, we're gonna say dumb things like, I'm colorblind, I don't see color. And people are like, yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. And we think, oh, we're just, I just come here and I don't see color. And then people say, well, that's, like, I'm colorblind, and that's just not helpful, and that's not true. And that's also not God's design, okay? That God created us individually as image bearers of him, imago Dei, to reflect him in our uniquenesses and through that to be formed together as a people coming together to, to, to reflect his glory in our similarities and in our differences and in our, in our oneness together. Not by saying silly things that you don't need the gospel for, but by saying, no, God is reconciling a people that otherwise would not be reconciled outside of the good news of Jesus. Okay, so, so the, 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 the church, right, is not a building. And I'm not just saying that because we just talked about our partnership with Safford, and, right? It's like, yeah, that's convenient for you to say because you don't have a building, so you can, <laughs> right? Like, first of all, Steve... Mr. G, the principal here, if you've ever seen, he might even be, he sometimes just shows up here. He's a good friend of ours, but he often says, hey, you know, this church is your church. You, he like loves our partnership here. Uh, and he, so he says this is ours, okay? So we do have a building. We just share it. But, but, but seriously, it's not a building and it's not an event, Okay, we don't just go to church. It's not only the warm, fuzzy feelings that we get. It's not only the songs. There is this idea of the gathered and scattered church, of we come together every week. So we also don't want to swing the pendulum to really unhelpful places that sometimes we go to today. It's like, ah, oh, the church is when I'm sitting around the fire in my backyard with a bunch of people and we all agree and we're all just hanging out and cooking hot dogs together or whatever and then yeah you know and that's the church and first of all in the first century be like hot dogs that's not kosher I don't agree you know I can't participate in that like seriously like okay the the church is not again if it's not a social club of like-minded people that's a country club that's a that's a poker night that's a zumba class or whatever that's like that's something that you can come together and just be like yeah we all agree on this we all do this together and then we go our separate ways Jesus didn't have to die for that okay Jesus didn't have to have to go to the cross and then raise from the dead to reconcile a people together through 
through, through, through something that we could all just agree upon. The picture in the scriptures of Jesus' followers are, are, are people that otherwise would not be together. It's crazy zealots and crazy pacifists, like people that are diametrically opposed in all kinds of ways, their entire worldview, outside of the good news of Jesus, who would not agree together, who are now all of a sudden around a table and saying, man, I, I, would, I wanna walk away from you, I don't agree with you, I don't vote the same way as you, but because of this Jesus and what he's done, we're all each other's God. Like he says we're brother and sister. And so I have to be slow to speak and quick to understand, James 1.19, because otherwise I have no other option. So I need to understand where you're coming from. And because Jesus said he's forming a people together that, that would reflect his glory, and that's not just a bunch of people that look alike, that, that, that then don't agree with a bunch of other people who all look like each other. No, this is a bunch of different people that again, outside of the person work of Jesus, wouldn't be together. That's the church. So what does, that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us here? It means things like when we talk about tapestry, okay? That's something that Alex just talked about up here earlier. Tapestry tables or things like that that we do. Which again, in a nutshell is this. Okay, I'll share it and it's gonna be starting up again at the end of this month and it's an invitation and a challenge and a call to be involved, to sit across the table from people that you would otherwise not agree with and not, not necessarily be on the same page as and it's across four categories that we don't just ignore or say, oh, I don't agree, I'm colorblind or I'm this and that. It's acknowledging that we all have different backgrounds and different lenses through which we see the world from uh, uh, race, finances, gender, and age. Things that it's just true, right? We all have different perspectives, different backgrounds, different ages, different, different genders, different financial upbringing and perspective, and different ethnic backgrounds and races that we come from. And what tends to happen is we have all these conversations on Facebook, and everyone who agrees with us says amen or lo lo likes it or whatever, and then, and then we have, you know, and then we just block or ignore everyone that we don't agree with. But again, the gospel, the church, the God's reconciled people doesn't give us that option. And that was the case here is in, in Acts chapter six is these people came together. They didn't say, oh, you Hellenists just go hang out together and you Hebrews just, no, they're saying, okay, we're all each other's God here. Jesus called us together and yet there's some need for reconciliation. And so what happened, verse three, therefore the brothers, he said, he said, they said, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Even that is an incredible, beautiful picture. It's not top down. Oh, we got you. We'll give you this money. We'll, hopefully you heard in our language up here as we talk about partnerships and things. It's saying, hey, how can we learn from you? And some of these blind spots that we had as the majority culture here, we need you to help uh, solve some of the, bring some, to help lead into some of this reconciling work. Okay, it's majority culture, people currently in places of power saying, I've, there's a lot I don't know and, and I need to learn from you and, and, and invite you to, to, to help lead us forward in what it means to be God's people, God's reconciled people. 
So this is what it means for us, church. It means these kind of things that we talk about, our partnership with Safford, when we talk about the underrepresented and the marginalized people among us in the city of Tucson, we talk about who we are here in Safford School and the fact that over 80% of the kids and the families who come here are on free or reduced lunches, some of these things, when we talk about tapestry, it means this, that those aren't just side, side things, side hobbies, or if you will, side dishes. I tend to think in things of like food. And, and <laughs> there's a table, right? You think of Thanksgiving di- dinner. Some of you, you know, we all have different things, but most of us know kind of Thanksgiving dinner, right? It was just a couple mo- months ago. Sadly, we got a long ways to go. But, um, right, you've got this meal. You've got, you know, turkey or, you know, I know we're in downtown Tucson, so tofurkey or whatever your expression of that is, right? But you've got the main dish. Right, you got, you got, you know, you got turkey, you got mashed potatoes, you got, you know, you got stuffing, maybe fits in this, you got rolls, kind of salty starches and meats. Those are the main courses. And then if you're like our table where we were, you've got some other dishes. I see other dishes, but most of us would agree, those are the main dishes, right? Then you've got other things like, you know, green bean casserole, which is one of my favorites. I would include that, but, you know, I understand not everyone does, and other people have different things like that. But then we all have these crazy side dishes, like Waldorf salad, which I don't even know what that fully is. It's like this, you just throw like marshmallows and walnuts and celery and crazy stuff all together. I personally, but even if you love that, you acknowledge it's a side dish, right? You're not like, we can't have Thanksgiving dinner. Someone didn't bring the Waldorf salad. You're just like, oh, what? A, okay, right? Some people love it. We understand that's some people's big, big deal. They're, that's why they come. But, they, but we all understand like what really, what makes up the Thanksgiving table, well, what, what we're saying here this morning is that God's call for us to be a reconciled people, reconciled together, moving into issues that need to be reconciled, which is not even just issues, sinful realities that our world is plagued with on, again, racial, financial, age, gender kind of things. As we move into those things and we and we call for reconciliation. We call out to God, God, make us a unified people. Make us your people woven together, a tapestry woven together to reflect you and your good character and your glory and your beauty. That's not Waldorf salad. That, that's, not, that's not, yeah, some people are into that, but other people are. And, and even as we say this again, we're not necessarily looking to grow our numbers and, and fill the balcony. I know that's been a kind of an expression that we talked about for a couple years. We never used the balcony, and now it is, and we celebrate that. But I don't say this arrogantly or in any kind of way other than to just simply recognize, again, we're called to be disciples, followers of Jesus, who are calling people who is calling our community, our broken, unreconciled community, to be followers of Jesus, reconciled together, reconciled to him, and living according to his mission in all of life. It means, as Alex said, the fact that people from this school are not currently reflected among our congregation. It means the fact that some of us in this room would be surprised to hear that Tucson is one of the five poorest cities in America 
and yet people less than a mile south of us here, Santa Rita Park and just south of 22nd, would not be surprised by that at all. Would say, yeah, of course, that's the case. That we would hear that, that uh, Tucson is one of the most unre- has some of the most unreconciled diversity in the entire country in terms of almost 50% uh, demographically broken, and yet the intersection and healthy reconciliation of communities is on display, that there is still such brokenness among us. And so it means that we don't just turn a blind eye and say, yeah, whatever, that's out there. No, it means that we, on our knees, go before God as his people. So as, as I close, let me kind of connect the dots here for us as we transition into Ephesians and then respond together joyfully, expectantly, as God's people together. It means we recognize this. Look with me real quick at Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to kind of dip ahead because we won't be there for like months, okay? But um, look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 shows this, one of many, many places. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's again this picture of reconciliation, And so when we slow down and really press in for the next eight or so months and we walk through a book of the Bible, Ephesians, that only has like six chapters, only has six chapters, I didn't say like, has six chapters, and yet we're going to take that long to go through it. We're going to go in some cases verse by verse or really small chunk by really small chunk. We're going to see consistently this theme. The big idea there in Ephesians is preparing God's people for tomorrow's world. Okay, you can see very much connected to what we're talking about here this morning. And let me just show you, okay, we're not going to walk through this, we'll, but let me show you a theme that we will see over and over and over again up here. As look at the, the next slide here as we see Ephesians in that whole chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. It shows this. In verses 1 through 9, you see reconciled to God through Christ. Again, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, this reconciliation to God, our creator, through his son Jesus and his perfect work and what he's done. And then we see that it's not just there, and some of us know that, we live there, but then it shows right away in verse 10, four. So we're, we're reconciled, we're saved. Again, there's not just a salvation gospel that's like, oh yeah, you know, be me up, Scotty, me and God, we're good, and just reconcile. No, there's a purpose for that. There's something that flows out of that reconciling work of Jesus, and it's so that we could, by demonstration and proclamation, be be saved or reconciled for good works to show the wisdom and power of God, that the the manifold wisdom and power of God would be on display and that would would, would show an unreconciled world the reconciling work of Jesus. Well, how? How does that happen? And that whole next section, directly connected and flowing out of it, is by being one. In verses 11 through 22, just what we're talking about here. Greeks and Jews, Gentiles and, 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 and um, Hebrews, people that otherwise would not be together, people that had massive disagreements about what you should eat and how you should live and how you should vote and how you should spend your money and how you should look and how you should dress and all these things that now together are called to be one people. So guys, as we respond now as the people of God to the good news of Jesus, we're responding as the church. We're responding as, necessarily as, the reconciled people of God, living together 
on mission, God's mission in all of life to demonstrate and proclaim the good news of Jesus in everything we do and who we are together. That's exciting. That, that's what I'm really excited to call us into as a church going into this year and years to come. That's what's so exciting that we're now moving into this stage where we are a healthy local congregation, no longer a church plant. That's who we are as a church. Candidly for me, that's what I'm really excited to lead my family into. That's why I'm excited to not just be a part of this church because I work for it, but that's why we, we, we live here, we invest here. That's why my kids grow up here. That's why I not only am the lead pastor, but am a person submitting to this church and being excited for my family to be developed and shaped by this, this good news of Jesus. And that's what we're excited to live out, to be God's reconciled people, living on mission together. Amen? So let's respond now together to Jesus as his people. Again, Father, thank you for this time we've had as your people. Thank you for all the stuff we've talked about this morning. So much to reflect on that you've already done that leads us to this point, And yet also kind of simultaneously a very sober and encouraging reality of you're not done with us. There's a lot of reconciling work you have yet to do. And Lord, I pray that, that, that because of your good news, Jesus, because you're currently, as we see in Hebrews chapter 12, you're currently seated right now on the throne, ruling, making all things new, as we see in Revelation 21. Lord, we have hope. We, we have great hope, great confidence in what you still have yet to do in us and through us as your people. So we pray and respond in Jesus' name. Amen.